0: hi i'm brian kramer author of human to human and host of leadtail tv every company executive knows what great pr looks like when they see it but few understand what it really takes to secure that glowing coverage ed zitron founder of Easy PR, knows what it takes and he's not shy about it in this episode ed and i talk about pr's biggest problem why journalists don't always make the best PR people and how to avoid the trap of mushy middle management structure. We dig into the differences between PR and media relations and embracing the discussion about how to measure results. Here's Ed. Ed, it is wonderful to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining Lead Tail TV. Thank you.
1: thank you for having me. Been looking forward to it.
0: Well, great. Um, appreciate you being here. And let's just dive right in. Um, you have earned a little bit of a reputation as someone who's who criticizes folks in your industry. Can yes. you tee up our conversation here with a little bit about uh, some insight for the folks into why that is and what your main issues are with the way folks view PR these days?
1: So I started in PR in a way that I believe a lot of people do and a lot of young people do, which is be by being completely misled. I read a book by a guy I worked for, not going to say his name, not giving him publicity. And it was just a crock just complete falsehoods. So it's acting as if you're going to get into this industry. It's all like sexy big events. And oh, you're going to be representing big clients like Samsung and oh, all these big things. When in reality, you're dealing with lower tier things. And another lie that was told to me was journalists actually want to hear from you. That is not the case at all. So I go into the industry with that, and then eventually I got good at media relations. And then I realized the industry hates media relations, despite it being one of the most profitable things in PR, but also one of the most effective. People hate it. People actively have been, as long as I've been in this industry since 2008, they've been actively trying to say that media relations is dead pretty much since day one. And so. My intro to PR was very negative. But I stuck to it because I really like talking to journalists. Like, I don't even want to say telling these stories, just getting good stories from clients of mine. I love doing it. It's a fun job. But the whole time I've been pushing against people who cold call journalists. They hate journalists, despise that. And yet people still do it. And I've just seen this push against media relations, against domain expertise.
0: Well, so you you have this... um... This, this idea of, of PR and where it's at. And, and I'm curious, where do, you, where, where do you come from? Like, give us a little bit of background about your PR past.
1: So I was a journalist for quite often. It's kind of all the years kind of blurred together. I'm 34, which seems like it's not old, but my brain rotted out like a big piece of Swiss cheese. So I was a journalist from about the year 2003 and never really stopped. Pretty much the whole time I've been in PR, I've stayed as a writer. And so... I wanna push back immediately though on the fallacy of journalists make good PR people. I don't actually believe that. Hell, I don't think PR people make good PR people, but I don't believe that it is actually a particularly similar set of skills at all. And I think that that transition kind of helped in the sense that if you've been a journalist and a real journalist, I don't mean a six month thing, like Jay Rosen style, I worked a job once a billion years ago. I don't mean like that. If you've done it for a few years, journalists respect that. But only if you treat them like human beings. If you don't, they actually hate you more for it because you you should know better. But so my background has always—I'll fully admit it—I've always been an outsider, always been an underdog. I grew up. I grew up with a learning disability. Still got it, called dyspraxia. I have ADHD. I've been used to being called basically an underachiever. Yet now I have a successful agency. I have for many years. And so from the very beginning. I feel like I got misled. And I've talked to many young PR people who feel exactly the same. This cult of personality in PR that teaches people that this job is going to be so much easier, nicer, and much more frictionless than it really is. And it sucks. It sucks because the actual job is great if it wasn't for the middle management people. Just come out, put them on a boat, blow up the boat, Um, But in all seriousness, there is this big, big PR problem for PR that no one really wants to talk about because it's a very big one. So when I started in PR, and I found this problem throughout my my career before I started my own firm in uh, 2012, was this problem of middle management. It was really bad in my first year. The agency I worked for afterwards, I found it was better, but there was still some of it, which is a lot of people in PR, especially the senior PR people have got there by not getting fired versus actually being good. On top of that, the reasons that people get into this industry is something we'll discuss separately, but it's important because I have very rarely found a manager in PR who still works. I see these people who graduate in PR, who grow up in PR, who become managers or executives, who see it as an opportunity to delegate and not work. It's piss poor. It's an offense to clients. It's an offense to young people. It's just, it sucks. And as you get further abstracted from actual work, so I'm very specifically discussing media relations here, the further you abstract from that and actually having done that, the worse you are actually delegating anything because you're basically describing the color blue to someone. You're just like, it's kind of like, you just go get hits, go, go do the hits. So... These middle managers, and it happens in a lot of careers, but PR, it's a real problem. They're the ones who train young people. These account manager level people, senior account executives, or basically anyone who trains an account executive or an account coordinator. If that person doesn't pitch a lot, they're bloody useless and they're a problem to this industry because they are sending orders down. They are correcting, correcting, helping people write pitches. They are the educational layer that is poisoning media relations And it's poisoning young people. It's turning people out of this industry. It's turning bright young minds out of public relations. And it's doing so by burning them out, by making them spam reporters with bad pictures that managers who don't know their ass from their ear hole are making them send to reporters, probably like a hundred reporters, of which three are relevant at best, because it's just poor research, very little reading, and just someone who has got their Just by existing. A lot of PR people are very sensitive about this. If you're not doing that, brilliant. Thank you for not being the problem. Don't act as if I'm making some grand offense against you. Like PR people need to be more self-critical. If you want to be better, you need to be criticized. Christ, I sure have been. Made me better. Describe the one, two, or
0: three skill sets that are required to be phenomenal in PR.
1: So, writing... But there's like eight asterisks. So writing, but specifically effective writing, it doesn't mean beautiful. It doesn't mean magnificent. In fact, those are words you should never use. It is, how can I get something across in a hundred words with a good subject headline that someone will read and act upon? PR needs to learn how to write in a way that actually communicates stuff. An important bridge from this, and it seems like a tangent, but it isn't, is collegiate writing poisoned PR a long time ago. We have a lot of just like a lot of startups, in fact, a lot of Stanford type people, a lot of Ivy League people. And I say this having hired someone from Cornell, who's actually a brilliant writer, a guy Trevor Moore. He's fantastic. I love him. But a lot of this Ivy League education, but honestly, just collegiate education teaches you to write in this verbose kind of abstract body conclusion manner. When really in PR, you just need to go bam, bam, bam. This is what it means. And there's an obsession with saying all the things versus saying the right things in an order that gets the point across writing. Number two is... I don't even know what word to start this with because research makes it sound like it's a science project, but it really is just domain expertise. Give you give you an example here. I've worked with... How can I say this euphemistically without coming close to the person? A major electronics company that may or may not have entertainment properties um, it, that I worked with. I talked to some of the people there, and I trained some of the people there, and specifically within an entertainment division where none of them had seen certain programs. One of them claimed they finished the season, and then turned out they'd just seen the pilot. Very basic table stakes of any other industry just don't apply to PR. I remember when I started out being told not to learn too much, those exact words, because you'll become a nerd. If you've ever said that to a PR person, kiss my ass. I'll get on the photocopy. I'll send you a big rosy picture of my bum because you're an arsehole and you're the problem. These people are the problem. And it's very common because the belief is that if you learn too much, you can't speak in a clear manner. You can't elucidate on something without getting bogged down in details. The first part, the writing thing actually comes to talking with your mouth and the words and stuff. If you know how to put a point across You also know how to synthesize information, not just remember it, synthesize it and say, this is what's important. But nevertheless, the point I'm making is you need to be able to simmer down, get to the point. But you also need to know all the stuff in the background so that you can grow upwards when you are asked. And you can be very creative when you have real knowledge on the subject. And it honestly makes this job much more fun when you do. And journalists respect it. Journalists love it when they can actually have an intellectual conversation with someone. Almost universally, sports PR people I've met, they know the games back to front and side to side. It works. It makes a great PR people. Knowledge is important. And three, it gets back to synthesis. Being able to cut down everything around you Taking all the information, what's happening in the news, what's happening in what happened to you in your life, what's happened to your client, what will happen to your client, being able to synthesize that information and spit out something worthwhile is a learned skill. It is not something quick and easy. And it's something that will help you. It is, in my opinion, one of the great intellectual misses of my generation and something that I'm like not perfect at. I believe we were taught throughout college to be analytical, to be able to get subset and look at it and go, there you go, I've learned the right thing, and here it is. We were not taught synthetic thinking. We were not taught I'm exploration I'm and I'm to find something that applies to something else. A lot of enterprise PR people talk about Oracle without knowing about re- the relational database of the mind, the ultimate relational database the brain. God, that sucks. I hate myself. But that, I mean, that really is it, though. The greatest PR people are able to learn and synthesize, and it's a challenge. And it's something I definitely was not good at six, seven, eight years ago. I had to learn to think on my feet, but also synthesize on my feet.
0: I heard a lot in their um, critical thinking too, which is which is a really challenge, a big challenge for just who we hire and how you find critical thinking, uh, which is which is really hard. That's really hard to find in yeah. people in general. You know, and and um, so I just kind of want to. I want to. I want to um, also uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about um, what something that you've mentioned before that that's about around incentives in PR. Mm-hmm. That's that's you believe is set up all wrong, and and a lot of PR folks end up spending time getting away from the PR work. Do you think this is a systemic issue of PR as an industry, or do yes. you think it has more to do with the folks who think they want to be in PR?
1: Also, yes. See, I'm an I'm that guy. But starting at the beginning, I think that there is a systemic issue of I when people get mad at me, which happens a lot on Twitter, PR people specifically will say, Oh, you're trying to make yourself the story. You're trying to make yourself PR people aren't the story. PR people want to pretend that they're not important, but in reality, they want to be front and center and seem quite intelligent and seem quite, oh, this is an important job for important people. Truth is. It's important in the sense that people pay well for the services. Absolutely. You're an important person. You shouldn't be shot or anything like you're an important person, whatever. But there is this overall sense of importance that's been put on the PR industry by the PR industry and a lot of honestly fart huffing by the PRSA, an organization that has yet to come down on people for form pitching, has no interest in fixing that despite it being a problem pretty much every day for every journalist. They do not seem to actually want to improve PR. They want to improve how PR people feel about themselves, which is another problem. I think that PR just has this systemic issue of self-importance without the backup. Like, I've mentioned surgeons. If I was someone who physically saved lives, like actually saved lives in my hands, I'd feel self-important. I Like, you have the license to be arrogant in that. But people are incentivized not by the fact that PR pays very well, and is a job that does not put you in any physical danger. And yes, there are terrible bosses in it. And I think if we fix that problem, people would love to go into it. But I just think people don't realize that like, this is a pretty easy job, a pretty straightforward job that pays pretty well. And they act like they need another incentive to make themselves feel important. They write five ways in which PR is like Hamilton and some crap like that. It's like, it isn't like Hamilton. You're not like one of the most famous and awful musicals of all time. You're nothing to do with Hamilton. Stop pretending. No one, no one, you PR does not relate to everything. PR daily, I will bang about because I hate it. I think it's an an emblem of everything wrong with PR. But specifically, it's like things about PR always being relevant to everything. It isn't. Not everything is through the lens of PR. I think that there is the other problem, though, that you mentioned, which is why people get into PR. I think that it starts off with. I used to say it was like, oh, they saw Sex in the City. Watch to the end of Sex in the City. It does not sell PR well. But in all seriousness, I think that the mediated idea of PR people does mislead people into thinking this is a big, sexy, important job when it isn't. I also occasionally hear from PR people, I love people. Talking of Dexter, that is a sociopathic thing to say. I love people. Have you met them? It just doesn't make sense to me. But I think that there is also just this misalignment of... Wanting to be the big swinging dick, wanting to be this person who's super important. I want to be in it for status. I want to be it for applause. I want to be in it for all these reasons that don't really apply. I, I just don't think people have a realistic understanding of what the day-to-day is. And when they get into it, I think there's bias remorse. And instead of being like, oh, well, at least I don't have to like run into burning buildings. At least I don't have to, at least I don't work in a restaurant and have it shut down because of COVID. And so I, I just, I wish people would go into it because it's a pretty fun, interesting way to get involved in the subject you like if we didn't have the middle management problem. But I think that that kind of wraps that.
0: You know, one of the, one of the things that I always um, found as a PR, um, my my degree was in public relations. I, I did it for a few years and then um, my, my passion wasn't there. Um, went into digital communications um, and marketing and then, eventually found myself owning an agency that was more um, in digital communications and branding mm-hmm. um, have a huge respect for public relations just isn't where I ended up. But one of the things I'm always fascinated with is um, is how uh, P- PR and how public relations individuals get around the measurement conversation. Um, and I'd love to hear your answer on that.
1: So that's another reason they hate media relations, by the way. So In a lot of PR, you can't really measure it at all. A point I'm sure you're getting at. And media relations is kind of like being pregnant. You either are or you are not You either get the hit or you don't get the hit. Sure, you can show the timeline to a hit, but in the end, if the hits don't come, the hits aren't there. And then there comes the secondary measurement of actual traffic or SEO or both. And so, PR people don't like media relations because it's difficult because you need to learn stuff. You need to learn about a subject, then about a person. Then you need to talk to the person. Then you need to find out how the person does the thing. But on top of that, you actually need to deliver something at the end, which ultimately is not in your hands. And it's scary and it's anxiety inducing. And I'm an anxious person. I got into the wrong field for that. But in all seriousness, Yes, media relations is great for that because you can measure it. You can say a thing happened or it did not. And then there is the next level of what traffic did it send or where do we rank now? Very basic, obvious, blunt force things. You can't really talk around it. You can to an extent. CNET is CNET. Like, Like there's no matter how much traffic it sends, it will always have that SEO weight. But kind of nearly getting CNET is a box of steak knives. It isn't. You're not on a website if you're not on a website. And that sucks for PR people who have got quite rich, well, medium rich, selling maybes, selling could-dos, selling one-days. If you are in the business of talking around doing something, it sucks, and a lot of PR people are in that. I have walked into client relationships where they've come off a bad agency relationship and shocked them with actual coverage. And they act like i'm a magician and every time i'm like I, I just pitch seems fairly straightforward um i'm always a bit confused but then i remember the charlatans and haters and losers and all that stuff but the measurement thing scares pr people terrifying to them because you can say i gave you strategic counsel i wrote x document i wrote y document you you can show that and say you gave counsel and you built something, you, there's a continuum of stuff, but without coverage, if they want coverage, you can't really, t- you can't BS, you can't dodge it. It has to, it either happened or it didn't. And good clients realize that it takes time to get some coverage. It doesn't take as long as some PR agencies claim though, when they say it takes six months to get anything. If it does, maybe you're in the wrong field. Maybe you should go into anything else because this ain't your field. Or maybe you should just let the client fire you. You know, um, when we chatted a while
0: back, you told us that you think a lot of uh, folks don't appreciate the value of uh, sort of unintended outcomes of media relations and PR. What are the biggest changes that you think folks would find if they implemented better media
1: relations? So I think a lot of big companies have got quite used to paying Webasham, Magna, Weber, Edstrom, Edelman, 25, 45K a month for results that pretty much come automatically. You're a big gaming company, and you're in IGN and GameSpot for reviews of your new title. That would You could have one of those birds that you just knock once and it goes back and forth. That bird would get you about the same coverage. You can elevate that with someone who actually understands what you're talking about and has relationships with the journalist. You can build those relationships and those stories, and they do more for you, and they also just develop your PR. More developed stories, more thoughtful stories, open conversations with a bit of vulnerability. There is negativity there. But you take that, consumers trust you more. That's what media relations can do. It builds up consumer trust. When you're a big company and it's not just like about getting traffic anymore, or SEO even, It's about building a brand and building a persona for your company or your executives. That's what PR can do for you, and it can do it a damn sight better than any other channel. Truly engaging with the media and being willing to have these conversations with the media that actively engage with their faults, engage with their past acts that may be bad. They could build up personas and reputations that stand on truth. And emotion and people connect with that that is like the upper echelons of media relations it takes a relationship with the journalist from the pr person but ultimately one with the client too and it it's tough and it you, you're required to bleed a little bit you have to be willing to suffer a little bit but it's worth it at the end now that's a very advanced case but frankly taking it back a few levels if you just have a pr person who knows their industry better you can just get more better coverage. And on the other side, when something goes wrong, you can actually have a PR person who can engage with the media and find out that they're going to dome you and maybe have a conversation around that. A lot of media relations involves trying to cat litter, push the cat turds underneath the cat litter. And um, you
0: know, you said something a little bit ago about um, when things go go sideways um, and things happen and that that actually is a going down a path I wanted to I wanted to bring up in terms of crisis communications and uh, it's another thing that we've heard about from you uh, and I, I wanted to see and ask you to tell us about a little bit about how folks can be more proactive with their crisis communications and what your experiences have been with folks being more proactive with that.
1: So crisis comms is seen as a monolith it's why people overpay for it. A lot of crisis communications can be simplified to not saying anything until you know what's going on. And it's a, it's a I would say a Western problem. The, it's another reason that people don't apologize. People don't apologize because they think that if they apologize, they will indemnify themselves. And if they don't apologize, they've done nothing wrong. Fun fact, it's actually the other way around. If you do apologize, you can generally start fixing stuff. If you don't apologize, you are still eat and you did something. You still did it and people will still be mad at you. So with crisis comes, the best thing to do is always to just find out what actually happened. Like straight away. Say nothing until you know. And if you knew already, you've probably had a response already. If it's one of the true dark sins of the moment, if it's a sexual assault, it's racism, you calm down on it hard. I'm sorry. I know it sucks, but... If someone's going around saying slurs, off with them. Short-term loss for a long-term gain of empathy and emotion. If it's a breach, find out everything before you say a single thing and then communicate completely. Give people a channel to communicate with you on. Don't say, don't say it, make a statement and stick to it. If you're apologizing for something happening, apologize fully. Don't say, if you say, I'm sorry, you feel that way to someone. You may as well have said nothing. It's actually worse than saying nothing, because saying, I'm sorry you feel that way, suggests that you actually are not sorry at all. You're just sorry that they had a reaction. You're just sorry you got caught. Crisis comms is ultimately human communications, and I don't think that a lot of people realize that, and I don't think a lot of people are cognizant of how big that is. People turn it into this vast monolith of, I must get it perfectly right. However, that doesn't mean you shouldn't prepare within an inch of your life. I have some clients I've written 15-page crisis comms documents with. It's absolutely great. Have a chain of command with a data breach. It's always great to have, if something happens, and there will one day be a data breach, most likely, have a chain of command. Who is the person to talk to? What do you do in the scenario? Think those through. That's just safety. If you're apologizing, actually apologize. Like Say what you're going to do to make it better. If people are and when you apologize, realize, and this is a human being thing as well, people are still going to be angry when you apologize.
0: You know this. Um, this next question actually uh, deviates a bit to mm-hmm. um, uh, something I'm going to challenge challenge you on, only because the question is kind of funny in that it's talking about uh, in and uh, about PR in general and mm-hmm. how to be uh, concise. Um, and so, so it's a pet peeve we've heard in that PR folks tend to not know how to be concise. Are there any techniques or books that you found helpful, or is that even a myth? Um, where is that? Where does that come from? Where do you stand on that, and how do we? How do you? Um, and how does it resonate?
1: So, I mentioned this earlier, but the collegiate system has done PR people dirty, and so have middle managers. They teach you to write pitches that include everything versus including the things you need. It's one of the reasons I don't like sharing pitches with clients because every client wants their grand mystery on display in every pitch. They want everything in there. Truth is, you want to have enough of a tease to get them on the phone with the client or to play with the object, whatever. And PR people are taught to put everything down by both middle management but also the collegiate system. We're taught of this, like, here's the abstract – Intro, body, conclusion. I will give you in this part, Webster's Dictionary defines this as what we're taught to write in this big, stupid way, and it applies outside of PR too. The simplest way is just to contain yourself. Whenever you're reading something, read it out loud if you need to. I thankfully don't need to do that anymore in the, on my own in the office, thankfully. But read it out and write like you talk. I've, I've seen this where- As in uh, reaching out to a producer? As in reaching out to a
0: podcaster and getting somebody onto a podcast and that being a media. Okay. I can a P- see that. PR media realm. I can see that like in a, a bigger realm where it's like reaching out to a me- like someone with a $500,000 yeah. piece. But it's, where do you stand on that? Or in just the total like PR so and, and media?
1: I do not see the point of having a social media account for a PR firm. I believe it is a it is a just a very bizarre thing. It's something you should have so that someone doesn't create an account just to mess with you, sure. But I have had the EZPR handle for quite some time and I can't bring myself to just tweet every piece of coverage. I don't think it does anything. I, however, use Twitter constantly. Too much, one might say. And I use it as a way to get to know journalists. You talk to them, you follow them, they follow you, you DM, whatever, and there are some reporters I exclusively pitch on Twitter DM. Note, very important note, I don't cold open with them on this. Now, there are some who I've followed, who have followed me, who I've waited a bit, and I've just DM and said, hey, can I pitch you something? I always lead with that. And sometimes they say, email me, which is where I pitch them because they told me where to pitch them. However, there are some who are just like, "Yeah, DM me here," and you give them a short form pitch, and it works, and it's great. Only do that through the development of the Twitter relationship.
0: Thank you for that. And um, and last, I do want to talk about just the uh, social media as it pertains to just social media and PR firms on taking on social activities on behalf of their clients, because that also happens where social me- where PR. Agencies are are taking on social activities uh, as well as PR and where that where that exists, if that's that's a
1: thing. I I don't I don't believe it's the right call. I think you should always do social internal. It's just it's a universal rule for me. If you're so big that you need to hire a PR firm to do social, hire someone in-house to do social. Don't outsource it. It's not worth it. Doesn't do the job well. Nobody likes it. Honestly, a lot of brand Twitter sucks. It stinks. What stinks about brand Twitter right now is there's the bad part of brand Twitter, which is just what brands do. And then there's like brands trying to be cool. And then there's the Stakeums thing where he's trying to talk about social justice. That sucks so bad. I should add, the things he's talking about, very important. Do I want them from Stakeums? Absolutely not. Get out of my face. Stop trying to pretend like you care about stuff when you want to sell me Freeze dried meat. Just piss off. Your short term game of like, oh, isn't Steakum doing something important? You're going to sell like three pieces of meat and someone's actually going to think you care? Ugh. 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 But that's a separate conversation. Totally different podcast.
0: Well, Ed, thank you so much. This has been, um, I've i have been wanting to ask these questions for a while and I've been out of PR for a long time. I've been working with PR people. I don't get a chance to actually sit down and actually ask these questions. I know people are gonna get a lot out of it and I really appreciate it. And thanks for spending your time here on DetailTV. to for having to do me. This. And so thank you so much.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Hi, everyone. Spencer on the lead team here. We want to thank our guest Ed Zitron for being on the show today. Continue the conversation with us online at Leadtail, or find Ed at, at Ed Zitron, all one word. Thank- if you want to see the full video interview series, you can find this episode and more at leadtailtv.com. Please make sure to subscribe to us on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, have ideas for the show. Do you know someone who would be great to be a guest? drop us a line at studios at leadtail.com. Thanks.